Hello, my name is Victoria Rowell, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Thank you for joining us for another edition of On Screen and Beyond. I'm your host, Brian Zimrak. This is episode 521 of the show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with the guests from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week on On Screen and Beyond, we have a great guest coming your way. You're going to remember her from Diagnosis Murder, from The Young and the Restless, all sorts of other things. It is Victoria Rowell. She's going to be joining us here at On Screen and Beyond, and she's got some things to tell us about. She is one busy lady, and she's got all kinds of movies coming your way and all sorts of stuff. So get ready for that. She's coming up in a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. And uh, this week, we've got a lot of things coming your way. We've got information about Bette Midler and also Kurt Russell, Goldie Hawn, all coming back into movies. It's going to be a lot of fun. Stick around. It's all coming your way in just a few minutes here on On Screen and Beyond. But why don't we start it all off? It's time now for Remake Madness. Remake Madness. Well, we have an interesting thing here. This is a remake of 2017's movie called My Son. Now, that's kind of early for a remake, but uh, that's what they're doing. And this one's going to star James McAvoy. Now, what's unusual about this is he portrays a man whose son goes missing. Not so unusual, but to film it, McAvoy will only be aware of the basic story. He has no script, so he must react and improvise and react to everything he finds out along the way. The rest of the crew will be having a script, so uh, that's, that's going to be kind of interesting. We'll see how that works out. And that's it for Remake Madness. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond... Upcoming new movies. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Upcoming new movies, well, it looks like Oscar Isaac will play Francis Coppola and Jake Gyllenhaal will play producer Robert Evans in Barry Levinson's new film about the making of The Godfather. And the new James Bond film, No Time to Die, has been bumped back to be released in theaters on April 2nd, 2021. And Naomi Scott and uh, Anthony Ramos will star in a sci-fi film called Distance. Now, this is about an asteroid miner who crash lands on an alien planet. And that's it for upcoming new movies. Next on On Screen and Beyond, let's take you down to Sequel City and find out what's coming your way as far as sequels. Sequel City, well, it looks like Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn will return in The Christmas Chronicles 2 on Netflix. Now, if you don't remember that one, be sure to check out the first one, The Christmas Chronicles, because it's a good movie. 
And now they're going to make Christmas Chronicles 2. That's going to be on Netflix, and uh, we're all going to be waiting for that one. And Ant-Man 3 is underway and looking for release in theaters on, well, around 2022. And Hocus Pocus, which is one of the biggest movies out right now in theaters, what, what there is for theaters that are showing films, uh, but Hocus Pocus, and on streaming, Hocus Pocus is, uh, you know, with Bette Midler and uh, just the whole, uh, a great, great cast. And uh, anyways, they're uh, out there, and uh, they're going to be making another one, according to Bette Midler, and she is thrilled to be back with all of the characters. And that's it for Sequel City, next on On Screen and Beyond. TV on DVD. TV on DVD, October 16th. Well, it looks like Shark Tank Season 12 hits DVD. And October 21st, The Goldbergs Season 8 arrives on DVD. And The Good Doctor Season 4 hits shelves on DVD November 2nd. And that's it for TV on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, let's find out what's coming away as far as movies on DVD. Movies on DVD, the Back to the Future, the Ultimate Trilogy arrives on October 20th. November 8th, you can look for the classic film Play Misty for Me with Clint Eastwood on Blu-ray. And on November 17th, Russell Crowe in Unhinged comes to Blu-ray and VOD. And that's it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV and Entertainment Time. TV and Entertainment Time, the green light has been given to the production team of How to Get Away with Murder for a new drama on ABC called Valley of the Gods. It's based on Silicon Valley's powerful people. And Reba McIntyre will co-host the CMA Awards on November 11th with Darius Ruckus. And look for Ryan Murphy. He's busy again. He's been given a green light for another series on Netflix. This one will be a limited series called Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer Story. And that's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we have a great interview coming up with Victoria Rowell right here on On Screen and Beyond. She's got movies coming out. She's got things she's got in the works. We're going to find out about all of it next. Victoria Rowell right here on On Screen and Beyond. Today on On Screen and Beyond, our guest is an Emmy-nominated actress who has won 11 NAACP Image Awards, and many of us remember her for a role on The Young and the Restless or on Diagnosis Murder with Dick Van Dyke, and most recently on The Rich and the Ruthless. She has multiple projects in the works. It's Victoria Rowell. Victoria, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, Victoria, it, it's such a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, it, it, you have got so much going on. I, when, when I got the press release, it was like, how in the world are you, <laughs> are you doing all this? <laughs> um, it has been an abundant year for me, um, despite COVID-19, which I take very seriously, um, this pandemic is um, affecting lives, as you well know, mm -hmm. across the globe. Nonetheless, I will say 
as an artist, um, I have a unique um, way of navigating the pandemic in that artisans are used to self-quarantining and isolating because we have to. Um, by that, I mean we have to self-isolate for study and memorization. Painters are self-isolators. Um, a lot of artisan work is very myopic and singular. True. And to that end, you know, when you look at the choreographer creating a piece, of a, a ballet, um, a composer, it's very singular. And um, I think artisans have fared in terms of their creative sphere. Not so great in terms of the economic sphere because artisans depend on performance, depend on sharing their works of art. And if there aren't sales, if there's not a platform or stage, um, my ballet community is suffering greatly. Um, it's, it's far more difficult. Mm -hmm. But I have been very fortunate. I don't take it for granted. So now I understand you are uh, shooting the fourth season of The Rich and the Ruthless? That's correct. We just wrapped last Sunday in Malibu, California. I uh, had the great privilege of uh, receiving um, uh, investor monies um, to, to move forward. Um, I reached out to my constituency of uh, actors and crew members and I had very, very few, maybe three at that, in a cast and crew of 50 employees um, that felt that they didn't want to work during COVID, which was perfectly understandable. I, um, I executive produced a SAG after union operation. Those who don't know, that's Screen Actors Guild, American Federation, Television Radio Artists. Um, we had to follow and wanted to follow. That is my production company, Days Ferry Productions. Days Ferry is a small town in Maine, by the way. Um, and the name of my production company. But we follow the COVID-19 rules as per uh, sag After, which means you, I had to have a medic on set at all times. Set medic, uh, uh, Rafino Romero. I also had to have a nurse on set twice during our eight-day shoot who would administer rapid testing tests. That's the nasal test. Mm -hmm. And it was an amazing thing to witness and uh, to be responsible for. I was very proud of it, you know, when our Screen Actors Guild rep visited our set. And he was very impressed by our operation. Of course, the additional expenses therein um, also included uh, meals, which have to be individually packaged. There can only be one identified uh, food distributor. That is to say, one person is identified to pass out the food so that the box lunches aren't touched by a number of hands. It really is very um, specific, and I'm proud to say that we are all healthy yeah. and remain healthy. Yeah. Now, did you actually stay in California? Because I know a lot of productions are going to, say, Nevada or, or Las Vegas, you know, and, and different locations. In Canada. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, a lot of 
uh, productions have gone up to Vancouver and other parts of Canada. We stayed in Los Angeles. Uh, we shot between Hollywood. Excuse me. We shot between Hollywood, Calabasas, and Malibu. We uh-huh. pulled permits to film at Point Doom Beach in Malibu um, and other uh, uh, permits, which also include Burbank. Um, so once again, I believe in running my production company. Uh, excuse me. I believe in running my production company efficiently and by the book, which means pulling permits are always the best effort. And I work with uh, what we have here uh, in Los Angeles uh, called Film LA. And Film LA is an invaluable resource um, which assists um, low-budget productions um, in acquiring the permits um, and making sure everything is up to snuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but when you say low budget, uh, um, that the headaches are no different than a big budget, right? <laughs> I mean. Well, it's funny you mention that because it's something that I would like to have a dialogue about. That low budget productions are held to the same COVID nineteen standard as a full feature or a broadcast mm-hmm. or Netflix Hulu series yeah. or movie. So, where do we fit in in terms of? the exponential cost and cost of COVID-19. Um, it's a big bite out of the apple for us. I would say that COVID-19 for filmmakers out there will cost you no less than $20,000 on a low-budget production because you have to take into consideration the food prep expenditures, the additional expenditures due to COVID-19, plus your set medic, which is absolute if you're running a union show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and rapid testing um, on set. And, of course, the bigger the budget, the more expensive. Of course, the lower budget, a word of encouragement to my low-budget brothers and sisters who are out there producing, um, you're more nimble with a smaller budget. Uh, so, word of encouragement, but you do have to be prepared for that additional expense uh, due to COVID-19. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully. And all the PPE that you have to, you have to purchase the PPE. That's another right. expense. All of the sanitizing, the cleaning crew that has to come in before and after. I mean, it really, <laughs> and if you're going on to what's called peer space, which is a wonderful, wonderful um, uh, digital uh, platform that filmmakers go to, it's the word peer, P-E-E-R, space, one word, peer space. And you can lease out magnificent properties by the hour for filming. Um, and when you lease out these spaces, you also are impacted by cleaning fees due to COVID. Mm-hmm. Wow. Sanitizing fees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you sound like you really, you have, you know, everything under control. It, it sounds like you really know, you know, what you're doing and, and you're taking taking charge of it. Gee, where does that come from? I'll tell you where it comes from. Slopping pigs and bailing <laughs> in May. All that discipline really has served me throughout my career in Hollywood. Um, you know, we really have... Farmers are obedient to Mother Nature, and if you're not, you don't have a crop. Mm-hmm. And um, you don't have a harvest. And I really, really believe in that philosophy. 
and applying it to everything that I do. That if I'm not disciplined, I cannot realize uh, ongoing success. And and I'm a long distance runner, so yeah, yeah. I attribute a lot of that to my upbringing in Maine, the the surrounding farming community, um, where we all bartered and we we really. You know, we, farmers aren't gushy people, but we really did love each other, and we bartered, and we survived together in blizzards, in droughts, and I look at the world at where at where it is, and we were black farmers on a dirt road in rural Maine, and we all loved each other, from the Irvings to the Amadons to the Youngs to the Natos to the Gothwites. Those were my neighbors on Barley Road, mm-hmm. and I think of them often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you got to you know you got to take care of each other, and that's that's what you have to do. Well, I hope that our humanity can get there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 it's always been here, but I really want to underscore that I experienced a great humanity growing up in Maine. And it's heartbreaking to see our country um, in a, a space that isn't friendly discourse many times. Mm-hmm. And I just hope that we can, I know I have to believe that we can get back to some semblance of, of friendly discourse and, and brotherhood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and hopefully this COVID stuff will <laughs> eventually we'll get back to some some sense of normalcy here. Yeah, well, we're we're pretty hardy people, we Americans, and um, I have every every belief that um, we will conquer this. But once again, obedience to Mother Nature, because this is something that we don't understand this virus. And um, without getting political on this, I just believe that common sense really matters right now. And the ask by our science community is so simple. And I believe it's the least we can do for ourselves and for each other. Yeah. Wear a mask. Yep. 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 Now, what about... On October 17th, you have some works coming up on uh, BET Her Films? Yes, yes. Um, I had um, the wonderful um, honor to direct uh, a movie uh, for uh, Viacom CBS, which is the parent company of BET and BET Her, about mental health. Um, and uh, honored to direct that movie uh, in July uh, for Megamind Media. That was the production company. And um, it couldn't have been better placed as people are really struggling with self-isolation and um, quarantine during COVID. Um, So that was my first um, entree into working with BET Her. And then I was invited to... Uh, play a doctor, Dr. Williams, in two of the movies drilling down on National Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, one of them is called A Long Look in the Mirror, and the other is titled Like, Comment, Subscribe. Um, these movies were all directed by 
black female filmmakers, me being one of them. Um, all of us are also actresses um, of note, Cheryl Lee Ralph, Kim Fields, and Vanessa Bell Calloway. Um, and uh, the movies that will be premiering October 17th on Viacom CBS, BET, Her, really drill down on the, the various ways that breast cancer affects a woman, all women, but in these movies, particularly in young black women's lives. Um, and my character, Dr. Williams' approach in delivering this devastating news. Now, these are heavy subjects. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> these, these are actually, you know, uh, quite serious. And do, uh, do you prefer to make movies or, or f stories about such subjects? Or do you, you know, like doing other types of movies? Or Well, look, uh, uh, some people know me as a comedian. Right, because I've worked with Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels. Right. <laughs> worked with Eddie Murphy and Will Smith and really, really funny people. And um, uh, Bill Cosby, I, I will say that I love comedy, and that's why I produce and write and direct my comedy soap opera, The Rich and the Ruthless, mm -hmm. um, and other uh, comedic work. Um, however equally important to me are dramas that really tell the side of humanity that struggles with real life um, issues. So, for example, when I was asked if I would direct this mental health movie, I, I, I couldn't say yes fast or not enough if I, if I would be a part of these breast cancer awareness movies for BET Her mm -hmm. um, The Waiting Room um, I have penned several scripts on child welfare um, on disparity discrimination um, I, I think it's just so important um, whether it's daytime or primetime for example on Young and the Restless I was involved in um, well, I pitch stories to uh, CBS for consideration, uh, to Sony for consideration. Sony owns 51% of The Young and the Restless about foster care and adoption, um, um, which, they, which they produced about classical ballet. Um, uh, uh, and the reason why the, the, the classical ballet storyline was so important to me is because it was contoured with being poor and wanting to be a ballet dancer and how does that work how can that happen because mm -hmm. ballet is no less expensive than tennis so how how can we bridge this reality and tell the story so i i enjoy both i enjoy comedy but i also enjoy drama especially when it's telling uh and drilling down on real life circumstances yeah yeah and and sometimes it's you know you see an actor or an actress uh, in a comedy all the time, and then all of a sudden they do a serious movie, and yeah. it, it, it you know it makes me think of like when Alice Cooper, <laughs> I'm just picking out a a, a, a singer, but uh, yeah. Alice Cooper went from the typical music he he did to only women bleed, 
and it was well, like okay. everybody was like, "Wow, <laughs> you know." <laughs> oh, see, yeah. I mean, I think though, as an artist, one has to be able to pivot. I mean, an artist, we're a vessel, yeah. So, for example, and if you're a ballet dancer, you're expected to do, you're expected to 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 be able to perform Les Sophies, but to be able to pivot and do Twila Tharp, to be able to pivot and, and do a piece by Alvin Ailey or Catherine Dunham. Um, you have to be able to be malleable because you are the vessel. Mm-hmm. And so the same with an actor um, where you want to, as, as an actor, you want to exercise your instrument to be able to do as many different genres um, as possible. Yeah. That would be my thought. Yeah. Uh, when people would ask me, why do you do soaps when you can when, when you're doing prime time and film television? Why would you do that? And I said, because I I enjoy it. I enjoy that I get to really sink my teeth into a role for years at a time. That I get to play all these different um, facets of a character. It's like a well rehearsed Broadway show, and um, and I I, I just enjoyed working in daytime and I never discriminated my um, my ability um, in daytime um, I gave it the same energy as I as I give my movies in primetime television yeah yeah as an actor yeah and I'm showing my age when I mentioned Alice Cooper there so <laughs> 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 um, but uh, now, was being an actress what you always wanted to be? Well, I would say no. I mean, I would say no in the traditional sense. I mean, being in foster care, I became a bit of an actor, you know, after I analyzed that whole journey for 18 years because you're, I was constantly acclimating. Um, I mean, I had a primary foster mother who was magnificent, who owned that 60-acre farm in Maine. Um, and she remained my primary caregiver. But as she ailed, she was elderly. Mm-hmm. Um, I stayed with extended family within her nucleus. Um, and so you want to fit in and you don't want to make waves. And in a way, it was an acting school for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always tried to look at the benefits of being in foster care rather than the deficits. And um, I had very good fortune in the system and a really, really, well, two memorable social workers um, one of whom I remain in closer touch with the other, but Linda Webb, um, who just sent me an email the other day. She's actually featured in um, a story, a cover story I'm, I'm, I'm uh, in, uh, in the magazine uh, titled Maine Woman Magazine. Hmm. And, um, and uh, Maine Woman Magazine um, has about a 70,000-plus um, subscription base. And uh, it's out right now, and my social worker is featured in it. Um, so if you have a chance, um, check out Maine Women Magazine. Wow, yeah. We'll be back with more of our guests right after this short break. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So if acting wasn't what you originally thought you were going to do, um, what made you end up getting into acting? And, and actually, one of your first, uh, your first film, I guess, was with the, the Bill Cosby himself, right? Well, my first film experience, and by the way, I just want to make sure I was uh, enunciating properly. It's Maine Women, so plural, Maine Women Magazine. And I just want to make that clear. Okay. Um, their October issue. Um, my first big acting break was actually, uh, it's interesting, now I'm going to date myself. It was on the <laughs> Dave Garraway show. Okay, yeah, I remember Dave Garraway. <laughs> Dave Garraway. Yes. Um, and I don't know if it was WGBH or anyway, it was a public private. So I was a child performing on the Dave Garraway show, and I'll never forget it because Eartha Kitt was a guest star on the show. Hmm. So that was an amazing experience. But later on, my first acting experience um, was really as a dancer with American Ballet Theater in the movie Hair, which Milos Forman directed. Mm-hmm. And that was starred Treat Williams and others. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, so that was my first eye-opening experience. I'm going out to the, uh, going out to the uh, Astoria Studios where they filmed The Wizard of Oz. And they still had memorabilia there. Like, it was amazing from mm. The Wizard of Oz at the Astoria Studios. Um, I got a lot of commercial work. I began booking work for Seventeen Magazine and Mademoiselle Magazine. And then um, that graduated uh, to auditions for The Cosby Show. I got a recurring role and then um, was invited um, to test for a series Um by ABC Television and um, ABC Network, rather, and they flew me out to Los Angeles. Um, I didn't get that part, but I auditioned for The Young and the Restless and got that, and then the rest was history. They relocated me out to California from New York City, and I've, I've never stopped. Wow, that's great. Now, did you find it difficult remembering all the lines you have to remember for a soap opera. I mean, it's, it's, it's just so constant. Right. The, the, from memory, the largest volume of page count was 30 pages I had to know in one day. Um, so the volume is extraordinary, but the brain is a muscle. It can be trained. And, um, again, I, 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 thank my classical ballet background because you know we memorize so much choreography and not only do we memorize in our training choreography but then we are instantly asked to reverse it so um it, it's a it was an amazing training ground to prepare me for hollywood hmm. um but it is quite daunting when you first come in to the genre of soap opera because mm-hmm. it moves very quickly when you think in terms of a movie that executes eight pages a day or a series. It moves like a turtle in comparison 
where you're doing maybe 10 pages a day. That's a lot. Yes. Because <laughs> um, it's a single camera. But with the soap opera, there's three cameras, and we do 64 pages a day. Jeez. <laughs> 64 pages a day. It's kind of bananas. Not yet. But it's a well-oiled wheel. And for our listeners, um, just a bit of history, we started in 1934 on radio selling Oxidol soap for Procter & Gamble as a test market. And the Oxidol soap was, the advertising was geared towards stay-at-home housewives, and it, it just went incredibly well <laughs> for Procter & Gamble. It's an understatement. And then uh, with the advent of television in the 40s, we graduated to uh, these short uh, soap operas, um, which then ballooned into a whole industry. We started out with those 15-minute soap operas on radio, though, in the 1930s. Jeez. And that's how we got the name Soap Opera. Right. Because we, we still sell detergent, yeah. et cetera. Jeez. Now, is it true that you were working on Young and the Restless and Diagnosis Murder at the same time? Yes. Um, I had what's called CBS offered me a holding deal. And a holding deal is when the studio does not want you to work for another network. They just want you to work for their network. So I signed the holding deal, and the, what happens is the network promises to look for another show for you. So my agent and I discussed it, and I accepted it. And during this holding deal, um, I auditioned for Diagnosis Murder, um, and when I walked into the room and saw Dick Van Dyke sitting at the table, I was, I nearly fainted that he was in the room. You don't expect to see the actual star in the room. <laughs> yeah. um, it, you're, you're, typi you're typically told that a Denzel Washington will be reading opposite you, which I've experienced, which was an amazing experience. Wow. But you're forewarned. But there was Dick Van Dyke and Fred Silverman in the conference room to audition me. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and I got the role, and uh, it had not been done before, where an actress was in primetime and daytime for contiguous years on end. I think I remain, I, I think I remain holding the record wow. for the network. Um yeah. I did that for eight years. Mm -hmm. Did you ever get confused? You know, am I Drusilla? Am I Amanda? <laughs> Who am I <laughs> when you're doing your role? <laughs> no, I will say, no, I was very clear because the Drusilla character is very distinctly Drusilla. And Amanda Bentley was, a you know, a very distinct, conservative, um, uh, doctoral mother character. Um, so they're very different characters. And again, the discipline of the art of acting mm. and role play um, was ingrained in me um, from, you know, my classical ballet years, just as you would learn the role in a classical ballet. You don't play that same note through all the ballets. You become another character because right. dancing is acting as well through pantomime and creative movement. So um, to that end, no, I was never... Um, uh, confused by the roles. I will say, though, as you know, my family grew, I did elect to take a hiatus from soap opera um, six years in. Um, and the last two years being on Diagnosis Murder, I availed myself just to Diagnosis Murder and, and doing film. 
Um, and when I rapped on Diagnosis Murder, um, I went back to Young and the Restless briefly. Yeah. What, what was it like working with Dick Van Dyke? I mean, he, he just, he, he seems to be, the, the impression we get anyways, such a nice guy. He is such a sweet man. Um, he, he's, he's just a beautiful person. I had the, the really the privilege to co-star with him. I mean, our scenes were one-on-one mm-hmm. many times. And um, one of the one of the most glowing moments was when we had a dance scene together. Um, and we did the tango together. Um, and um, another high point, well, there are many high points. I mean, he look, he bought my, he wanted to purchase my son's crib after he was born. Wow. So I treasured the crib. Um, he's a very, very, very kind man. At Christmas, cast and crew all got gifts and hams and very generous man. Hmm. Um, and um, another high point was when, because he was an executive producer on the show, and um, he had a say in how things ran and um, a big say and I got to write for the show and um, it was a ballet storyline about a Chinese ballet dancer um, who defects to the United States and um, I was able to pull in my alma mater American Ballet Theater on that Mm. Um, and we cast one of their soloists and uh, Dick was a part of that he was there dancing among some of my ballet alum. That was wonderful. Yeah. Jeez, I can imagine. He, I mean, he's such a talent. It's just, there's nothing you can't do, it seems like. Well, you're right. And, and uh, he loves to dance, and he's also a, a barbershop singer, as you probably know. Mm-hmm. So he's always singing, and, um, you know, he's, he's found the fountain of youth, and um, I can't say enough good things about him. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, with all the people you've worked with, was there anybody that you've worked with that you were just, I mean, blown over by, you know, I'm working with this person? <laughs> well, all of them. Because you're, I'd, I'd be looking at my scenario, right? And I would say, how did I get from pulling potatoes in Maine to Hollywood? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you know, dumping those potatoes out of a burlap bag into our root cellar, into our potato bin. Um, but we grew all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, pumpkins, we canned everything. Anyway, I would oftentimes, and I still do, do that comparison. But in its, but in its own way, Maine is a star in my life. And I never underestimate the power of Mother Nature I have a lot of nature around me in my home, and I really think the 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 grandeur of Maine, but also her humility, um, is something that I've always carried with me and my practice. Um, um, I, I think it's very important because if you don't know who you are when you come to Hollywood, Hollywood will define you, and that isn't necessarily what you want. Um, but I always 
stand back, even today, when I'm on a set. Um, before you called, I mean, I can't go into the details, but I was just offered um, a job to direct a Christmas movie, and I am thrilled to pieces, and we will do a follow-up interview about this Christmas movie that we are going to shoot this year. Yeah, wow. Um, and I'm always grateful as though it were the first time that I was offered a, a role. Um, and I will add to that, in terms of the big stars that I've worked with, I was always impressed by the kindness of the stars that I work with. For, for example, Jim Carrey, when we were filming um, Dumb and Dumber, Jim was the first one to greet me back on the set because I was what's called a drop in a pickup. So I would shoot some scenes and then they'd send me back to California. Then they'd fly me back out to Utah and we'd shoot some more scenes. But he was always the one that, that stepped up first as the star of the set. And the star really does set the precedent. Mm-hmm. And welcoming me back, we missed you. And I, I saw that over and over again in the stars that I worked with, Will Smith, um, obviously Dick Van Dyke, um, Sam Jackson. Um, I saw that in Forrest Whitaker when I worked with him when he was producing a show I did for Showtime. Um, You know, incredibly uh, grateful for those experiences. And I will say that I'm endeavoring now uh, to get my memoir made into a movie or series titled The Women Who Raised Me. Um, Jane Fonda is interested in playing one of the leads. Um, I hope she'll still be interested when we approach her. But equally as important to me is that we perhaps will have the opportunity to film with the film commission um, in Augusta, Maine, and and be able to film the movie organically in Maine. Wow. Wow, that would be great. So, Well, Victoria, I, I... Don't want to hold you up too long, <laughs> but uh, I, I'd like to finish up with two final questions. Sure. Taking us away from all that you've done and all that you have coming up and everything, but when you sit back and relax, and I know most people have a lot of time right now, but it sounds like you got, you're very busy, but uh, when you do relax, what do you watch for TV? What's your favorite TV shows now and of the past, <laughs> and what's your favorite movies now and of the past? Well, my favorite, well, I've got a couple of favorite shows. That's not fair. <laughs> but, okay, I, my recommendations are Succession on HBO, mm-hmm. The Crown, which I watch over and over and over and over again, mm-hmm. Monarca. Monarca is an amazing series about the Mexican tequila business and a, and a family empire. Amazing. Can't I'll have to check that, that one out. Show. I haven't seen that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Eddie. Um, uh, so those are shows. I, of course, I want everyone to tune in to watch the BET Her uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month movies. Like, comment, subscribe, and long look in the mirror. Uh, very important to watch those. Yes. Um, now, in the past. Well, I was a Downton Abbey diehard fan. Uh-huh. <laughs> so in the past, and in the very far past, um, I 
never missed an episode of Lost in Space or Gilligan's Island. Ah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I've had I actually had a lot of the people from those shows on the sh- on this show. Really? Yeah, yeah. All, uh, oh, uh, nice. You know, Bill Moomy and and uh, Don Wells from Gilligan and oh, and everything. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. So that's so awesome. Yeah. I have a I, I have a Gilligan's Island themed um, uh, uh, B storyline going on in the fourth uh, season of The Rich and the Ruthless, but I I won't say more than that. Um, <laughs> Now you asked me something else. Uh, movies. Which what movies? Movies. My goodness, what a question. Um well I Oh boy, that's a toughie. Okay. Okay, I loved the more recently the movie Parasite, which won the Oscar. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um that was an amazing movie. Um, I also want to say back in the series column, please watch Unorthodox. That is an incredible series, mm-hmm. Unorthodox. Yep. Um, all right, so back to the movies. So Parasite, a, a incredible movie. And then in the past, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, okay, I'm going to name a two. I'm going to name two. Well, I love the mission for not only its cinematography and the acting and the music score by Ennio Morricone. I also love um, an older movie that had two incarnations, um, one with Lana Turner, um, Louise Beavers, uh, uh, also um, oh, Claudette Colbert, um, Imitation of Life. That movie is incredible. Hmm, yeah. Imitation of life. Um, so I gave you um, a peppering of um, movies um, that I love, and anything um, that stars Sidney Poitier. Oh yeah, he, he's such. He's, I was watching a show. Uh, oh, I can't even remember. What, what, Lilies of the Field. I mean, they call me Mr. Kids to Sir with Love. I mean, all these movies are classic and really give such a strong commentary on the world, where mm-hmm. we were and where we are now. Yeah, yeah. I was watching, have you seen the, the, the show, um, oh, it's on Netflix, uh, with Hillary, Hillary Swank. Um, oh! The Space... Yes! Uh, I mean, I started watching it, um, where she, Away! It's called Away. Yes, Away. When I close my eyes, and the actor, uh, there's one of the actors in the, in the show, uh, if I close my eyes, I'd swear... It was Sidney Poitier. Oh, I don't know. Uh, it's just, it, you know, maybe it's just me, but he, I mean, he has, and, and when I watch him, he has that presence, too, and it's like, wow. <laughs> oh, I know who you're talking about. I can't now. remember the actor's I, I, name. I, I, will, I will listen to his voice the yeah. next time I watch an episode. I did not make that correlation, mm-hmm. but those are my past and present off the top, and I'll just gild the lily a little bit. You know, I launched a show this summer on Prime Video, on Amazon Prime Video, um, in July, and it's available for consumption, also available on the Urban Movie Channel, but it's called Trash versus Treasure. I was going to ask you and about that. It's, it, it, well, I'm glad that you were going to ask me about that. You can ask me about it. 
<laughs> okay, what about it? <laughs> <laughs> Just hit the reset button. Okay, well, it's a decorative show. Um, do-it-yourself decorative show. I don't pull out walls or pipes. People are going to recognize, okay, this is the room I know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I drill down on sleeping spaces for low-income to below-poverty-line mothers um, in this uh, season of Trash versus Treasure. And people can go to the website, trashvstreasure.com. And I put practical thinking to use. And I've always loved decorating. Um, I'm self-taught. I'm a forager. I'm a treasure hunter. I'm a goodwill garage sale uh, hunter. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> I've been pitching this for a while. Um, uh, uh, and I finally found a home for it. And um, I think people will enjoy watching this show, especially during COVID, especially during such loss of job equity, mm. um, and I encourage people to shop their garages, their closets, if you have a cellar attic, and turn things on their side and make it into something else, and just because it's chipped, tarnished, or broke doesn't mean you should toss it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So um, it's called Trash versus Treasure. I'm really proud of the show, and, and, and I, what led me to talk about that was books. Um, I want to recommend a book called Furnishing Forward, and it's a, a practical guide to furnishing for a lifetime. And it's um, the interior decorator's name is Sheila Bridges. Again, that's Furnishing Forward. So I, I just sort of that as an addendum to the show Trash versus Treasure. And um, a favorite author, uh, I have a couple of favorite authors, but I really, really love this book um, titled Wench. And um, it's by a professor, by Professor Dolan Perkins Valdez. Dolan, D-O-L-E-N, Perkins hyphen Valdez. And it's called Wench. It's, it's um, historic fiction. Um, uh, I highly recommend it. And um, I also like this Turkish writer, um, uh, Puma. Uh, and I'm saying his, I'm, I'm mispronouncing his name. Um, forgive me. Let me just gather his name in my mind. I will have it um, momentarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, to, well, what books? Well, while I'm thinking up his name, what books are are you reading these days? I I have been watching uh, binging more than anything. To be honest, <laughs> I have oh, been. You, oh, okay. Not a lot of reading. Not um, lately. Not lately. Once in a while, when I get somebody uh, that I'm interviewing that has you know has a book out, I'll read it. But uh, I I just haven't had you know the time because right. I've been binging so much. <laughs> right. No, I understand, and I remember the name. Um, um, the author's name is Orhan Pumak. O R H A N Pumak. P A M U K. And he's um, you know he's a Nobel Prize author. But I picked up his books. Um, while I was in Turkey and um, some years ago, and just uh, just incredible writings. He's got a book called Snow, another book called Istanbul, and it's fiction, but it's so not fiction. Hmm. Um, it, he's, just, he's just a remarkable poetic writer, and I can't say enough about Orhan Pamuk. Wow. P-A-M-U-K. Mm-hmm. Well, that's something people can check out. 
Yeah. Well, Victoria, I, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time to talk to us today. And uh, everybody should go to BET Her and check out your, your movies that are coming up and uh, the, all the other things that you have going on and check out Trash versus Treasure and uh, uh, and watch some of your old episodes of uh, Diagnosis Murder. And <laughs> Diagnosis Murder on Hallmark every day. And if that's, if murder mystery isn't, uh, your flavor, then if you want to laugh, uh, check out my series. There's 18 episodes of The Rich and the Ruthless, a behind-the-scenes drum-com soap opera. And they can find that where? They can find that on Amazon Prime Video or UMC TV. And folks that wonder what's UMC TV, it's an AMC Network streamer mm-hmm. uh, service. Yep. Uh, UMC TV. So um, there's plenty uh, there um, and to choose from. And I really appreciate this, this interview. And to all the listeners, I, I wish them a happy holidays and safe holidays ahead. There she is, Victoria Rowell, right here on On Screen and Beyond. I want to thank her so much for taking the time to talk to us here and uh, so many things she's got going on. So we appreciate her taking the time out, and uh, it's always good to hear what she has going on. And uh, as uh, she said, she's she's got a lot more in the work, so don't don't uh, worry about that. She She's going to be around. And also, don't forget to check out uh, her shows that are out there, The Rich and the Ruthless, and uh, you can check out Trash versus Treasure and her new BET Herb movies that are coming out. Uh, a lot of good stuff, so uh, check it out, Victoria Rowell. And that's it. That's a wrap for another episode of On Screen and Beyond. Just want to uh, remind you that if uh, you did, didn't get a chance to uh, check out the um, the uh, VoiceOver Actors Hall of Fame presentation that they had online for free, uh, they are going to be putting that up, and uh, they will uh, have that so you can just watch it. And uh, it was a great show. Uh, I, I didn't get to see it all because uh, there were some technical difficulties. Uh, they actually did the whole show. But I guess uh, from what I understand, some people were knocked off. So uh, I, I was one of them. So. <laughs> Anyways, uh, we, uh, I did get a chance to see it and watch it over again so uh it was it was a great show so if you get a chance be sure to check that out and uh, once things get back to normal be sure to go to the orinda theater in orinda california and check out the museum of the voice actors hall of fame it's right there a lot of great stuff so uh, it's going to be a lot of fun and that's it that's a wrap for this week of on screen and beyond so until next time when we once again take you on screen and beyond i'm brian zemrak take care Thank you.